In our last episode, we explored some of the technology rails supporting the booming NFT activity we see today and how these marketplaces and tools are making NFTs an investable asset class. Kinjal Shah from Blockchain Capital joined us on the show to chat about interesting ways NFTs are being utilized in the new ownership economy and how it is part of the growing financialization of internet culture. Konstantin Kostenko discussed how Euler Beats combines math, art, music, royalties, and scarcity into an NFT project, a combination which not only gives rise to an interesting game theory experiment, which you can extrapolate more broadly to NFTs as a whole, but also offers creators, such as musicians, a novel approach to earning royalties. But I know some of you tuning in are not content creators, and so the question about which NFT platform will allow you to monetize your content in a novel way is not top of mind. I suspect the question you care about more is what's the value in an NFT? Perhaps you don't think a JPEG file deserves to be made an investable asset, and that by making digital files investable, NFTs are nothing more than mispriced collectibles. Or perhaps you're asking yourself, are people truly collecting NFTs for the sake of what it represents? Or are they actually speculating on its potential price appreciation? These are all valid questions. In a blog post titled, The Presence of the Original, Rob Horning, editor at Real Life Magazine, writes that NFTs combine the baseless speculative frenzy associated with Bitcoin with the often baseless speculative frenzy associated with trends, under the imprimatur of 4chan-ish or Wall Street Bets-style memes to keep the action going. Oof, that's rough. On the other side, we have technology and innovation optimist Chris Dixon, investor at investment fund A16Z. He is known for saying, the next big thing always starts out being dismissed as a toy. He says that, quote, to distinguish toys that are disruptive from those that will remain just toys, you need to look at products as processes, end quote. Disruptive products, for example, in technology, need to be designed to ride changes in external forces up the utility curve. For example, these external forces can be improvements in things like internet or mobile phone infrastructure. But Chris cites social software as a unique case, where the strongest forces for improvement are driven by users' direct interactions with the platforms. And I think crypto innovation, and by extension NFTs, fall into this categorical exception. In short, I think the sheer force of creator communities getting behind NFTs will continue to drive forward the improvements needed in the NFT tools we see today, and of course, bring new use cases for this emerging technology. If there's one thing my conversations with NFT participants have made clear, it's that NFTs are a tool for changing social culture, culture around asset ownership, exchange, and monetization. I think the worst thing one can do is dismiss NFT innovation as a sunk cost. That is, even if this current NFT hype cycle ends and we see asset valuations begin to deflate, I believe the technology will remain a forcing function for the creative economy to think about new possibilities for collaboration and innovation. Circling back to Rob Horning's article, he says that, quote, NFTs make the social significance of any digital artifact the simple fact that it can be owned and valued and that value can fluctuate, end quote. This is true, but why harp on an NFT's value? 
Society can prescribe value to whatever it deems worthy of value. Simple as that. This includes the dollars you and I hold in our wallets to playing cards, physical magazines, and niche collectibles. Ever wonder why vintage goods have value and oftentimes even more value than modern day goods, despite being old or seemingly useless? The value lies in the scarcity of these goods. The fact that such an item is one of a kind and can't be mass produced by an assembly line in a factory, for example. Okay, but you're thinking, these are physical items, it's different. Well, once you can program scarcity into a blockchain, what's the difference? I believe digital artifacts resemble another form of value that is currently in a period of price discovery. We criticize simply because we don't know what it should be worth. One thing is for sure, no one buys NFTs for asset stability. Just like fine art, an NFT item might be worth nothing one day and possibly a million dollars the next day simply because it amasses some type of cultural and social significance. Such value appreciation is not guaranteed, of course. To help me better understand how to value the fringe universe of NFTs and social tokens, I spoke with Ben Lakoff, co-founder of Charged Particles and Richard Kim, investor at Galaxy Interactive. Ben explains how an NFT's value is not straightforward. I'm a fundamental analysis equity analyst by trade. So understanding the future cash flows and not that this thing has value because I declare it to have value. So for me personally, maybe I'm just a little uh, thick-headed, but it took me a long time to get around the idea of gold as a store of value, as Bitcoin, as a potential store of value as art, as a store of value. So of course it takes me some time to like cross this chasm to understand that any sort of collectible or art, let alone crypto collectibles or crypto art could hold and retain value and be worth something. Let's assume ascribing value to a standalone NFT is dubious. Given the composable nature of the Ethereum blockchain though, would it be possible to create NFT building blocks and derive value from being combined with something else? I'm pretty bullish on social tokens. I think we're figuring out a lot of these things, but the ability for creators to use charge particles with their social tokens, so create a social token, fill up an NFT full of your social tokens, time lock it for six months until you figure out what you want to do with these social tokens. But this NFT can hold other assets as well. So you could you could put a thousand die in your NFT that's converted to a die and earning interest as well. Time like that for six months. So it gives you a lot of these building blocks. Putting the building blocks together the way that we have with the charge particle protocol allows you to build on this new token mechanic of having an NFT that has a yield bearing asset inside of it. Well, this accumulated yield charge call it, can trigger something else. So just sticking to NFT art. So you think of a piece of art that is generative art. So the art piece is changing based on the yield that's accumulating inside of it or uh, pulling out of art. If this accumulated charge in the NFT means that you've held that NFT for a longer period of time. So you can now track how long have you, Leslie, held this NFT. So maybe more charge in your NFT equates to more power within a game, more experience within a platform that has to do with supporting artists, more voting weight in a DAO. So it gives you this, this ability to add this 
whole new token mechanic that can make things a lot more dynamic and useful. Alongside the conversation on NFTs, social tokens have been a really hot topic. Similar to the question we've been exploring so far, which is how can NFTs derive value, we ask the same of social tokens. Richard Kim believes that perhaps the value of social tokens are closely tied to the status value they represent. That is, the embedded engagement value of the communities created around the tokens. If you started your premise, the idea that a social token is just a virtual currency, and think, think a virtual currency in-game, to be more specific. And the twist is the social token is fungible and exchangeable and is not locked in the game environment, right? That you would see for something like gold in World of Warcraft or any of the other like, you know, multi-billion dollar grossing MMOs. It's really the same thing uh, at that point, right? And, and the interesting twist of fungibility introduces a lot of potential complexity uh, in terms of extrinsic factors dominating what were otherwise closely controlled loops of acquisition and, and syncs and faucets and this sort of thing that game designers are used to, but also that much more powerful because they're not controlled solely by the game designer as the central bank and the sole market maker, et cetera. Richard describes another way social tokens can derive value. The most interesting social token communities have embedded not just a speculative premium for how the community will grow, but some real transactional utility embedded in them, like the ability to use the token to, for example, buy art from the community or the creator, or use the token to redeem for merchandise, uh, or use the token to fulfill some kind of tipping function within the community that's socially accepted, or use it for poker terms, or use it for anything other than purely reputational class. What do the future of social tokens hold? You know, you see a lot of tweets these days saying social tokens are the next evolution of NFTs. And, you know, I, I tend to agree with that just because, like I said, virtual currencies have a long history of capturing a lot of the embedded engagement value of communities. And it's a great way for early adopters to get upside in the growth of a community. But the point is you have to build a long-term game. And there's this constant tension between intrinsic and extrinsic motivations that needs to be carefully managed over time. Both NFTs and social tokens are extremely new fields of study. It's hard to say if the market will remain as hot a few months from now, but one thing is for sure, the value of these tokens is deeply tied to long-term value creation of community engagement. This sentiment is echoed in a piece published by Cooper Turley titled NFT Value Capture Equation, which I'll link to in the show notes. The existence of these fringe assets has opened the mainstream eye to crypto, and let's just say more people will be jumping down the crypto rabbit hole. Buckle up, there's no going back now. You know, the moment you bring this notion of ownership and scarcity to what previously were goods of limitless supply in terms of internet culture, um, and consumption, there's a whole host of industries that get unlocked as a result of that.